The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the L.A. Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. This is iHeartRadio's Prattcast with Stephanie Pratt and Wells Adams. Kinda. More just Wells Adams, because Steph is in Hawaii again, I guess. So we are going to uh, we're going to break down last week's episode because it was a barn burner. It was a bit stressful. All right, I have I've had to see my therapist a couple times because of it. Um, but we're going to get through it together. Speaking of, we have Doctor Jen Mann coming on the show, and we're going to ask her what her true thoughts are of the last episode without Steph on the show yet. So, Dr. Jen, are you there? I am. I am. How you doing? I'm I'm okay. All right. I'm a little rattled from last week, but I'm going to get through I this. I understand. Yeah, right? I, I can understand it. And I have to say, Adam, you, you did a great job with, with your input. And, you know, look, there's nothing that I wouldn't say about what Stephanie said last week that I wouldn't say to her directly as well. So, just so you know. All right, that's good. But you can speak yeah. freely because she's not on the show currently. Okay. Uh, so, you got it. so you did listen to the episode. I guess my question is, are you familiar with the the kind of the feud of the family and, and the Hills in general before listening to last week's episode? Heidi, and there was a lot of talk about Heidi and Spencer coming on my show, Couple Therapy with Dr. Jen, on VH1 for a while. So I'm kind of, I don't know a lot of the details. I was not an avid show watcher, but I did get enough of the details from the producer about a little bit of the history. I listened to your last show. So I have the overview of kind of what the family dynamics are, which are pretty blatant from what. Stephanie is saying, and from what I have seen in the in the press about the family. Truth about any argument is that there are three truths to the argument. There's uh, Stephanie's truth, there's probably Spencer and Heidi's truth, and then there's probably the actual truth. You just got to hear 
So you just got to yeah. hear Stephanie's um, in the episode last week. Just right off the bat, overall general feelings of of kind of the argument and and what she's angry about. Like, how do you how do you break it down? I think you're absolutely right. You know, it's what I call the Rashomon effect. It was this Japanese history film that was made a million years ago where two men were in the same room and had the same experience. And then and each part of the movie was each one of them describing it from their perspective and they had totally different perspectives. And, and that is life. I'm, I'm sure, like, you were, like you're saying, if we had Heidi in one room, Spence in one room, Stephanie in one room, and they all described it, they could be in the same room for the same event and all have totally different perspectives. Um, a few things. First of all, one of the things that concerned me, and I understood where Stephanie was coming from, when she said, look, Spencer said, this is a Heidi thing, and he's trying to stay out of it, and I guess this is his wife, and that, you know, he needs to support his wife, and I agree. Absolutely, it's important that couples stick together, that they support each other, but I also think that Stephanie's letting Spencer off the hook, that she needs to hold him responsible for his choices. He can find a better balance from what she's saying of being respectful to his wife and being connected with her and at the same time not just kind of doing a hands up well I don't know like I got nothing to do with this that to me there is a better balance to be had for this family that will make for a healthier family system yeah and this isn't like the newest story like the first time this story has ever been told it happens all the time where you know, sister-in-laws don't get along or mother-in-laws and, and, and daughter-in-laws don't get along. Um, yeah. After listening to the episode, do you think there's any way back for all of them? Look, I spend my life's work devoted to helping families and couples and people repair relationships. So I believe that there's always a possibility. I, I One of the things that really struck me from what Stephanie described is, you know, this whole champagne thing of, of Heidi not giving her champagne. And a lot of the time what I see in relationships is that when there's anger that is unexpressed, it tends to leak out in behaviors, in behaviors that are sometimes passive-aggressive, sometimes aggressive, sometimes snarky. My impression is that if this is not like you mentioned before, a publicity stunt by Heidi in an attempt to create conflict, but if this is a genuine thing that's really happening where Heidi opted not to give Stephanie champagne while everyone else in the room had it and very blatantly withheld it from her, didn't just say like, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot to, but actually withheld it from her, then you got to wonder what's going on from Heidi that Heidi is so angry at Stephanie that she's acting out like this. People don't do things for no reason. We, we pretty much always do things for a reason. We're not always conscious of it. But something is being played out in this family and in this dynamic that is important to, to look at. Can I give a little insight on that? So Please. I think from Stephanie, and this is what I know from what she said, and she'll talk about this with Wells later today, she has always felt that Spencer is more important in the family than she is. And that may set up some of this. He's the only boy, right? O- only son? Yes. I yes. mean, there, there you go. And whether that's the reality or not, in actuality, who knows? But she definitely feels that. Sure. Prodigal sons. And I think that she said something that was really important last week that I think a lot of people can learn from because, well, the specifics of this family dynamic are obviously really unique given reality TV, given celebrity, given all of that sort of stuff. But what Stephanie said about, you know what, I realized basically I can't 
caretake my parents and put their needs first anymore. I have to start making good boundaries and taking care of me. I, I think that's a lesson to be learned by everybody. And I think that most people have unhealthy family dynamics that get played out over and over. And there comes a point in our own growth, our own development, where we have to say, okay, I'm going to approach this with maturity and respect, but I'm going to have good boundaries. I'm going to take care of me and I'm going to put taking care of myself first. And I, I was really encouraged to hear Stephanie say that. What, after listening to the episode, like what are some of your concerns with Stephanie's take on the whole thing? Um, look, obviously I'd like to hear the other side. Uh, you know, look, it, 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 it would be, Amazing to get to sit down and do family therapy with this whole family. I think there is so much to be said, and it's that Rashomon effect that I'm interested in hearing what Spencer's ideas are about it, what his perception is, what Heidi's is, because, look, nothing happens in a vacuum, and we all participate in a family system in ways that Sometimes we're aware of, sometimes we're not, and sometimes we feed the system. Sometimes we feed, okay, everyone likes my brother more, so I feed the system by hanging back and letting him have the attention or not making boundaries or not making waves. So I, I think that the, the main, my main concern for Stephanie is that kind of previous mentality that she's had of, I'm not going to make waves. I don't want to upset my parents. And I get it. It's, it's complicated. She clearly loves her parents. She, they sound like amazing, wonderful people. And it's important as a woman in terms of developing her own self-esteem, in terms of her own boundaries, in terms of her own mental health, that she is able to voice her needs and able to say what she needs to say and not have to walk on eggshells afraid that people are going to be upset with her. Speaking of the parents, um, as a mom, when your kids are fighting, like how do you insert yourself into that situation to help kind of rectify it? It's look, it's tough. I have I have twin daughters, so um, you know it is it, it comes up. I always try to, as a parent, walk the line between not taking over and making people say or do things that they don't want to do or don't feel, you know, for example. And, and, you know, I started this when my kids were really little, but this to me is applicable to, you know, this, this family, this proud family. I've never, I, I don't believe in making kids say, I'm sorry. I think that what you get is a lot of people just parroting with, oh, I'm sorry. Tell your sister you're sorry. Tell your brother you're sorry. And I think an important part of this dynamic is to not have people just say things to placate people. And like I mentioned before, my biggest concern with Stephanie is I don't want to placate people. I think it's important for her well-being that she learns to voice her needs and her opinions in a healthy way and get her needs met. So when it comes to conflict among siblings, as a parent, to me, the key is if you're involved in the actual conflict, and, and they kind of indirectly, directly are, um, to be able to talk through that. I think this family, again, they really need family therapy. They need to be sitting down with a skilled family therapist to talk through all of this history and these conflicts and what the dynamics are right now and how to change them. But also, 
everybody developing the skills and the tools to communicate in a productive way. A lot of the time, especially when people are triggered, when people are pissed off, when people are hurt, they tend to just lash out. And you can deliver the same message in a lot of different ways. There are ways you can deliver it where it's just going to escalate the conflict, or there are ways you can deliver it where it's actually going to land and make progress, and there's going to be... You, you can really touch someone and, and shift their thinking. You know, look, the reason why people cry their eyes out on my show is we do real therapy and people allow things to land. We create an atmosphere where real truth can be told and people can make change and change is painful. It, 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 it's often painful and dramatic, but well worth it. When I listen back to that episode I mean, a lot of thoughts ripped through my brain, but I think the one that I like kind of settled on was Stephanie has been, uh, I don't know, uh, for lack of a better term, hoarding all of this kind of like aggression and ill will somewhere like deep inside of her, her brain. And all of a sudden, one night, uh, she had a glass of wine and, 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 and she remembered this one photo shoot and it just seemed to all like come p- flowing out of her. Like it almost was, yeah. like she couldn't stop herself. Yeah. I, I call that leaky anger. Yeah. That when people tend to hold on to their gripes, when people get their feelings hurt and don't talk through it as it happens, like it, People like to think, oh, you can just kind of sleep it under the rug or pretend like it's not happening or not make a big deal of it. But things that don't get talked through build up and it leaks out in ways that are just not healthy. And and I I agree with you. I I think that she's been holding on to a lot with a lot of different family members that has built up. So as, as friends of Stephanie... Um, and colleagues of her as well. Like, what what do you suggest we do? Because I, I feel like we're now in kind of uh, a precarious situation. Like, do we do we listen? Sure. Do, do we try to fix the problem? Do we try to get you know the family together? Like, what do you suggest as as a therapist that we should do uh, going forward? I think you asked a great question. First of all, one of the things I really appreciated about listening to the last episode was that you're not a yes man. I really thought it was wonderful as a friend how you challenged her and you were able to go like, well, what do you think your part in this might be? Well, you know, do you think that there's anything that you've done that has contributed to this problem? And I thought that that was really terrific. You did it in a very loving, supportive way that I thought was great. And I think continuing to do that, I think supporting her and letting her kind of vomit out her feelings and kind of let it all out is really important because you, you always need a safe space to get that out so that you can kind of organize your thoughts and figure out what your priorities are in terms of what needs to be addressed. I think that it's great. I think that she mentioned that she is in individual therapy. I think her continuing individual therapy. Um, I And I do think that everyone encouraging this family to get family therapy is really going to be key. I, I don't think that this is, I think the depth and the level of pain and history between all of these members is so significant. And also truthfully, the lack of tools and high level communication ability well triggered is so low that I don't think that they can all do this on their own. I, I think that they need a professional in the room to help them sort through this in a productive way. Otherwise, I think it's just going to turn into a messy, screaming, yelling fight that's going to be unproductive. 
Do you think that this family has no business being on reality TV? Um, I think that they make for delicious, amazing fodder for producers and viewers. Of course, do that's not what I'm asking. It's yeah, amazing yeah. television. Yeah, yeah. Do I think it's at in what cost? Emotionally, no, no. Yeah. Uh, I think I think probably not. Although one thing I do have to say is that. <clears throat> A lot of the time, and, and again, one of the reasons why my shows, Couple Therapy and Family Therapy, have been such a success is, is you know, there are celebrity couples and celebrity families who come on, on my show. A lot of the time, the celebrities I get on my show are celebrities who would never do individual couples that wouldn't, they just wouldn't do therapy if there wasn't a camera in the room. And sometimes what happens is they come in and they go, oh, you know what, like, I'm going to manipulate the system, but... There isn't anyone manipulating the system once you start doing real therapy. And and so sometimes someone like Heidi and Spencer can do their best therapy in the room with a camera because that's what they're used to. That's what they grew up with. That's kind of where they're, they're a fish in water when they have that camera there. So sometimes it actually, believe it or not, even though it seems like it wouldn't be the case, sometimes it allows people to do work that they wouldn't do otherwise. Yeah. I guess um, one question I always like to ask when I have people on the show is, is there anything that I didn't ask you that you wish that I had asked you as if the show had ended? Like, what am I not touching on that we should be talking about? Well, you know, one thing that interested me is that Stephanie talked about, she said that she struggles with depression and anxiety, and she said something about bipolar depression. And I don't know if she meant literally that she had been diagnosed with bipolar or if it feels bipolar, but I think that an important part in all of this is her addressing her own depression and anxiety and whatever's going on. Because if you, when you're going into a super triggering situation and you know like nobody can trigger you like your family or your romantic partner <laughs> so that's like the top of the line so if you're going into a situation where you are likely to be triggered you want to make sure you go in with a strong foundation where you've done your work on yourself so you can go in strong you can go in clear-headed you can go in and not be reactive and super emotional and be able to kind of through what the you can actually work through the issues at hand. Yeah. Uh, Amy, do you have any other questions for, for Dr. Jen? No, but I'm super nervous about Stephanie because I I think she feels good because yeah. I've obviously talked to her the last over the last week or two. But I think she has a lot she really wants to get out and yeah. I think she finds this a healing place to let it all out which then gives me Anxiety. Diarrhea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this segment brought to you by Tubbs. <laughs> it's very oddly stressful for Wells and I to be of sort course. of involved in this. Yeah. And I won't go into detail, but there is some blame being placed on us. On us, yeah, yeah. for sure. And, and when I go listen back to... Like, I've done enough reality TV shows and, and been in the role of almost a producer on some of those reality TV shows. I know what works and what doesn't. And I wasn't trying to do that. I was just trying to like let her talk on the microphone, get her thoughts out. I could have 
we could have buried Spencer more, I, th- I thought, and Heidi some more. But we actually, I felt like we took their side of the story a lot more. Um, yeah, well, I, I, I will say this because I love Steph. I love her. I've, I've been friends with her for many years. Yeah. I also very much like Spencer and Heidi. Yeah. Very, very much. They're very, look, they're very charming, likable people. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sort of with Wells in that I think there's 87 versions of this story, none of which are accurate. Well, can I say, this is, and I, I would say this to Steph, and I will say this to Steph to her face, I think the big problem with this family is misguided blame. Um, and they can be mad at us, they can be mad at iHeart, they can be mad at the show or whatever, but we didn't do this, you know? Like, we, right. we really didn't create this issue, and it's so easy yeah. to blame us, but maybe uh, it might be better to start looking inward rather than outward, is my kind of final thought there. And, and look, I, I think that what you're talking about with misguided blame, to me, my sense of what happened is, you know, that Stephanie has all this stuff that she's been pushing down and pushing down and trying not to deal with and not wanting to upset the apple cart or upset our parents or, you know, make waves or alienate anyone. And that she's been pushing down, pushing down. And Adam, I heard you ask questions that were totally legit. And I think it just kind of burst the bubble. It was kind of a fragile bubble because she's been holding on to so much for so long that I, I think that this was bound to kind of explode at some point, whether it was here or someplace else. That brings up an interesting point, Dr. Jen. Because Steph grew up on the hills, essentially, she was a like late teenager, young 20s, maybe when she went on, and it was mm-hmm. on for years and has continued on reality shows. Is that why she feels more comfortable opening up to the microphone. Have you ever seen that? I think, I guess you're saying that about couples therapy too, that they will only do it when the camera's there because it's their safe space. I see it all the time. And, and so that would not surprise me at all. I think when you grow up on camera and, you know, I don't know if you guys ever saw the Truman show, yeah. you know, the where Jim Carrey, like basically grew up on television. Like I felt a lot of these kids who grew up on these shows, are used to it and there's there is a certain kind of comfort in it and and an understanding of like okay it's time to fill it's time to open up it's time to do it it's very counterintuitive to the person the average person like me because it's like what are you doing you know like where i if there was a camera or a microphone i would be i would want to run away Totally. And, and, and also, you know, what happens, and I'm sure you've heard people on reality TV say this, is when you have a camera following you around for long enough, you kind of start to almost forget that it's there. <laughs> it seems like a dichotomy that on one hand, it being there helps you open up more. On the other hand, you kind of forget that it's there, but it kind of becomes integrated into your life. And, and you know, part of the culture of being on reality TV does shift your thinking. And I think, you know, in situations like this, it does encourage you to open up. It does encourage you to kind of speak what you need to speak, sometimes not in healthy ways, but when it can be done in a healthy way, it it, it can be really helpful and effective. Yeah, I think the my last kind of thought on it is that there is an unfortunate positive affirmation that comes with reality TV that kind of states that if you are as dramatic and as bombastic as, as possible, uh, that's great TV. And, and it 
is, but it doesn't make for great family and, and home life. So I think we need to try to figure out a way to kind of balance the two for Steph. Uh, Dr. Jim, man, thank you so much for being on the show. I really do appreciate it. My pleasure. Um, we're probably going to need you again. Let's be fair. So Anytime. just, you know, stick around. I will. <laughs> Maybe next week. <laughs> Good luck to us right you now. You got it. <laughs> Say a prayer. You Thanks. You my number. Anytime. <laughs> All right. See you, Doc. Take care. Mom met a lot of your demands over the years. This Mother's Day, get her the Bartesian cocktail maker that makes premium cocktails on demand. In just 30 seconds, have your choice of over 60 premium or seasonal cocktails, all at the touch of a button. Get $50 off on the Bartesian Cocktail Maker now when you buy one pack of cocktail capsules. So, for all the times you made a mess, get Mom the countertop cocktail system that makes premium cocktails without making any mess at all. For all the times you begged for soda, get her premium cocktail capsules made with real fruit juice and craft bitters. For all the times you demanded tacos for dinner, get her the Bartesian that mixes margaritas in just 30 seconds. Make Mom's Mother's Day and all the 364 days that aren't Mother's Day with a Bartesian cocktail maker at $50 off. Visit B-A-R-T-E-S-I-A-N.com backslash mother now to get $50 off the Bartesian premium cocktail maker. Bartesian, premium cocktails on demand. I'm Elia Connie, and this is Family Therapy. My best hopes, I guess, identify the life that I want and, and work towards it. I never seen a man take care of my mother the way she needed to be taken care of. I get the impression that you don't feel like you've done everything right as a father. Is that true? That's true. And I'm not offended by that. Thank you for, for going through those things and thank you for overcoming them. Wow. Thank God for the limits. Every time I have one of our sessions, our sessions be positive. It just keeps me going. I feel like my focus is redirected in a, in a different aspect of my life now. So, how'd we do today? We did good. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy. Listen now on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Get emotional with me, Radhi Devlukia, in my new podcast, A Really Good Cry. We're going to talk about and go through all the things that are sometimes difficult to process alone. We're going to go over how to regulate your emotions, diving deep into holistic personal development, and just building your mindset to have a happier, healthier life. We're going to be talking with some of my best friends. I didn't know we were going to go there on this. (laughs) People that I admire. When we say listen to your body, really tune in to what's going on. Authors of books that have changed my life. Now you're talking about sympathy, which is different than empathy, right? And basically have conversations that can help us get through this crazy thing we call life. I already believe in myself. I already yeah. see myself. And so when people give me an opportunity, I'm just like, oh, great, you see me too. We'll laugh together, we'll cry together and find a way through all of our emotions. Never forget, it's okay to cry as long as you make it a really good one. Listen to A Really Good Cry with Radhi Devlukia on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we got Steph on uh, the broadcast. How are you? What? I'm here. Come on. (laughs) I know. We started the show without you, though, which feels always weird when you're not here. But I want to know, how are you? I'm I'm, I'm good. I I haven't talked to anyone in my family. Um, And it was, you know, the night before my birthday, which was Wednesday night, 
I had a lot of anxiety and my friends had taken me out for dinner and I was like, you know what? I'm sorry. Like, I'm not in the mood to drink. I just want to go home because there was such like building anxiety of, are my parents going to email me happy birthday? Are they going to text me? Will I hear from my sister? And like the gut, my gut said no. But the night before, it was just like I didn't even sleep. And then on my birthday, I had a great birthday. And, you know, because of the time difference, which I totally know now, it's three hours from Hawaii, <laughs> um, that, you know, they hadn't texted in the morning and or emailed. And that was that. So that was like a lot of pressure was off because I wasn't waiting the whole day for my birthday. But, you know, we haven't talked since. And I, you know, I've been having horrible nightmares, but. I think once, you know, this podcast is done, I'm going to be a lot better than I have this past week. Well, that's good. So wait, hold on. So you're, no one in your family texted you happy birthday? Um, no. Well, I had my 13-year-old niece text me. We don't really text. She wrote, happy birthday. I love you so much. Um, I'm in the car with my mom and she says happy birthday too. So my sister had my niece say happy birthday and she kind of you know yeah kind of said it but is that weird like it was it was it was insane i showed the group of people i was with i was like wow like my 13 year old niece is having to say happy birthday and then like quickly include her mom in it my sister well i mean it's it's things will never ever be the same like this has for all I know, my parents have disowned me. I mean, I've that and I've escaped a very dysfunctional family. I, I'm like heartbroken again. I know. It just. Oh, I know. It's really hard. That's why we had Wells talk to the therapist before you came on because we wanted to talk to her to see what we can do. And then I think I'm all ready. Yeah. And then now I'm just heartbroken again. I mean, I just. I just try to think about my family. If, if no one texted me on my birthday, I would be like, well, I mean, so do you regret any of the things that you said last week? Like listening no. back? I feel, you know what? The support that I got from people was so overwhelming. And I mean, like I couldn't believe all the, I don't read comments, but you guys had said like, wow, the feedback's really good. So I did like look at all my Instagram and Twitter and everything. And I was like blown away that everyone was so nice. So, I mean, that support definitely helped. And saying everything, I do feel so much lighter. You know, this burden of secrets for 10 years. I just, it's just, it's, I feel free. Like I'm, I'm finally doing me. Yeah. How's I'm your, not doing my parents, my parents work. How's your anxiety? Cause it would give me anxiety, the situation. Like yeah. I have anxiety and I'm not even in the situation. How's your sort of anxiety stress level now a week later, a week and a half later? I mean, it's pretty bad, but the only thing that I'm like really thinking about a lot is um, my parents, because, you know, Spencer and Heidi will be fuming to hear, you know, 
this podcast and that our whole family hates her, which will give her even more power to play games with my mom about seeing Gunner or not seeing Gunner, which is probably the latter will happen. So I'm sad for what it has done to my parents. But like what my parents don't understand is that when they're old, I'm the one that's going to move them in with me and take care of them. Like, do you see Heidi and Spencer doing anything for them? Like, all they care about is each other before family. So my parents don't get that, like, they're rooting for the wrong kid. And it's always been that way. Like, as I've been reflecting so much about since, like, I was 18, it has always been my brother. I mean, he was never told to get a job. I was an intern in high school. I worked in a clothing store. Then I was a hostess at a restaurant. My parents were always on me. Get a job. Get a job. What was Spencer doing? He was playing in Malibu. You know, this was before like Heidi in the Hills. It was just, it's always been, my brother's just like untouchable. So I, I just don't understand why they give him so much love and support and value him so much more than they value me that they actually had me grin and bear all the things that Heidi's done for the past two, 10 years to my family. Like, you know, I'm mad at my parents. When my brother went AWOL, like, I feel like my dad's forgotten this. There were three years when, you know, he wasn't around and I learned about sports and would watch football, soccer, golf, any sport and learned about it with my dad to fill in the loss of his son. So I was kind of like acting as his son because I knew he really missed him. So, I mean, did he forget those three years when I was like calling him constantly, Tebow, did you see that? Like... It's just, I, like, my parents just don't... I feel like I'm out of the jungle and I'm on a cliff looking down at it and they're still in the jungle not having clarity and seeing, like, what they've been asking me to do is more than anyone can handle, and especially in the public eye. It seems to me that it might be... It might be too far gone for you and Spencer and Heidi to um, to kind of like reconnect, but like, is there anything in you that wants to kind of mend the fences with your parents? No. You know, I... It's just my parents have done so many things to help Heidi and to screw me over. Like, I remember I went to get my dog from my parents' house years ago, and my mom said, you can't come over, Heidi's swimming. And that happened a lot. You know, what? there was a Christmas. Like, for my parents, they've allowed so much to happen, and they've expected me to just, you know, continue being so nice to her. I mean, there wasn't a year that I didn't get her really thoughtful Christmas presents. This year I got her matching sweatsuits with my mom, sister, and I, and a Gucci handbag. I mean, like, every Christmas, I am being thoughtful when I come home. Has she ever given me anything? No. But, like, I do not stop trying. 
So my, like my parents, like they've chosen and I understand like if we were speaking, I would say to them, look, I live in London. You now have a grandson five minutes away from you guys. Like, I wish you hadn't chose him since I was 18, but like now choose him. Like you've got a grandson five minutes away from you and I'm in London. So that's how it's going to be. Like you chose them. I'm going to be on my own. Yes, but I would would assume a lot of friends. I would assume though, if your parents were in the room right now, they would say, well, we don't want to choose. We want both of you guys. You guys are both our children. It's no, it's just always keep Spencer happy. Look, my parents probably despise me for this for this mess that I've gone gotten them into by exposing this, but really by just venting like ten years of this. I mean, and she's just made it so hard. Like if she was like cool about it, you know, I could probably like keep the facade up for longer. But she she's not nice like you know there was christmas there was a christmas that she had done something so gross to our family you talking about Uh, heidi right now yeah sorry there was a christmas that she had done something so gross to our family that she couldn't even be around us or look at us so she locked herself in the library for a whole entire day and she said it was because she had to watch her dogs So, I mean, like, she knows, like, she will, like, avoid or kind of hide when she knows that she's just done something very, very bad to my family. You think there's any way back from this? Like, is there any conceivable scenario where everyone comes back together and and works things out? Like, would it be your brother having to to come to you and say, hey, listen, I'm sorry I hadn't defended like you uh, more to Heidi. Or is it your parents saying, you know what, you're right. We do tend to dote on your brother a little more than you. Or is it Heidi coming forward and saying, you know what, I need to be a better sister-in-law and I need to, we need to work this out. Like, is there anything that can happen that can make this thing right again? In your eyes. No. Never. You know, it was all over when I became friends with Lauren. That was years ago. That's So they've been together for 12 years, and I always say that this has been 10 years of this burden because it was, you know, when they got married and everything. But again, like, when Spencer and Heidi eloped, my mom called me hysterical because she was standing in front of the Us magazine cover at the grocery store saying they had eloped. She called me hysterical and said, do you think this is true? We weren't invited to their wedding? Like, it was it's sad. And that's when things really changed after that, when they eloped. It was clear that they only cared about themselves. And when I got on the show, made friends with Lauren, that was it. So, after listening back to the episode, I had a few kind of thoughts on 
on your perception of things. And I say it in the last episode where I'm like, it's so easy for women to bash other women. Um, and for whatever reason, usually it happens in relationships where, um, where like, let's say a girl goes and, and, and hooks up with like your friend's boyfriend. It's so easy to be mad at the girl and then, and then leave no blame on the guy, even though the guy was completely culpable and probably more culpable than the girl. Um, I hear so much that Heidi is the issue and so little that Spencer is. Do you think that like your um like the scales of your anger are are rightfully balanced in this kind of argument that you're having with your brother and your sister in law? If if they had never met, there's no way that these past ten years would have been so tragic for my family but they did meet and this is your brother look my brother's definitely not an angel like i've been protecting him as well but you know when i when i so i moved to paris when i was 18 to go to college and spencer came out to visit me and Something went terribly wrong that I'm not going to say. Um, so I wasn't ever going back. He, he basically left me like an eight-page letter under my door and took like the next flight home to L.A. Like it was really bad. And my mom said, come home for Christmas. And I said, there's no way I'm coming home for Christmas after, after this. And she said, no, Spencer's with Brody. They're on a yacht in the Mediterranean. Please just come home. And so I was like, okay, if he's gone, then yeah, I will come home for Christmas. I've never missed a Christmas. Um, I got home and my parents, well, this is great. I came home and in my bedroom were all these presents from Spencer. So to you, yeah. So I knew my parents had lied and that he was in town and he felt guilty. So my bed was covered in presents. Um, so anyways, I was home and my parents told me that I wasn't going back to school in Paris, that they were sending my sister and her husband to go pack up my apartment. So fast forward to London, Spencer and Heidi, well, Spencer did the same thing, but now Heidi was involved and they told my mom that I should be living there. So when I came home, my mom was like, you're not going to go back to London. We don't think it's good for you. And the next thing that happened, I was just like, he cannot keep ruining my life. And... Control. There's a lot of control being placed over you. And yeah, and the next thing I knew, because I was so out of control, the next thing I knew, I was in an ambulance from a suicide attempt. Like I just, if they, I had lost Paris, they were, were trying to make me lose London. Well, all along, I'm grinning and bearing it, and I'm just like watching my life just become more depressed. And stress I mean thank God thank God I still live in London and I didn't let that happen I mean if like I just take the brunt of all of it even when I was coming to Hawaii 
my mom was like, you're going back to Hawaii. Um, this is so irresponsible of you. And she's like texting me all this. Shit. And she was like, um, where are you staying? And I was like, I'm just going to rent the same house again that I was in two weeks ago because I'm not needed back in LA until May 6th. And she goes, this is just so like you, blah, blah, blah. And she was like, I don't know how I'm going to tell dad. And I was like, tell dad what? Like, this is my money. There does seem to be. Cause like why? Like my mom you, is coming all after me. Always. Well, you're 32. Aren't you? 33 last week. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Thank you. I, I, don't, I don't know. That, that keeps coming back to me is that there's a lot of control by others being placed onto you. And I think. I hear what you say when you're saying you're you feel free and I don't know if it's because look I want you to work it out with Spencer and Heidi and your parents of course but I do understand that I think you feel free from the control well I've been thinking about this yeah I've been thinking about this a good bit uh your your parents can't control your brother. That's obvious. I mean, he went and got he went and eloped without them. You know, he, he's he's kind of doing whatever he wants, and he has his own kid now too. He's got his own family. Yeah, they really right. I mean, they've never had any control over him. The only one that they have had control over is you. Um, and I think the reason why it feels so liberating is you've just done what your brother did years ago. Which is you've just separated yourself and you've you've you know you've you've torn the umbilical cord, um, and I think that's why you're feeling that way. I think so too. What would be interesting? I wish you had a relationship with your parents right now, where you still are doing what you're doing, owning that independence, making your own decisions, and being proud of them. And if you had that strength, I wonder if the relationship could be improved. Where they would respect those decisions. I just hope that your parents listen to this episode because if I'm not a parent, well, I have a dog, so kind of a parent. But if if, if my dog Carl came in here and said this about me, I would be heartbroken. I would, oh, I didn't know you felt this way, or I, you're right, I, and how can I fix this? This is terrible. Um, I think that my impression is they love her so much; they're holding so tight. Yeah, and maybe from your past. I was starting to think about this too. And Wells has, I want Wells this week to read your book because you do go into some of this. I think some of the struggles that Steph had as a teenager, maybe her parents are so afraid. Oh, you got the book. Got the book. So maybe they're so afraid from some of the pain she experienced as a teenager that that is why they control and hold on so tight because they don't want her to go through that again. And to do what Spencer did. Which is completely cut them out of his life right. for three years or whatever right. it was. I, I think some of it does come from love. This, my, me or my parents? All of you. I think, I think some of why they hold so tight is because they love you so much. But they see me in hospitals. You know, every... Most of the really bad times where I end up in a hospital is something triggered by Spencer. Like my parents, like they see that the suffering is, has become, it's turned into, you know, full depression. Yeah, the therapist did want us to talk about that too. 
and acknowledge that, that have you been diagnosed with depression and making sure that you're taking care of you. What did she say? She said it was, she did say this was good. Yeah, she, well, she said, I don't know if she's actually diagnosed as bipolar, because you mentioned that in the last episode, and she, she said, if you were, then that needs to be something that you guys need to be talking, like you and your therapist need to be talking about a lot. And then she also said that what I, she said that, this is her speaking, what I think will be really important is that everyone in your family get together for family therapy, which I'm not sure if that'll ever happen unless... Yeah, do you know how long my therapist has been saying that? Yeah. What? It's impossible. What no, comes I'm back to me, yeah, is is how I'm, do we help take care of you? Because this is serious. Yeah. Like, I understand I it's also a show, and, and there's some parts that are going to be funny and light and all that. But, like, this is serious. And and I don't I, think you're alone in, in what you're feeling. I think a lot of people listening understand, and that's why they gave you so much support. Because they've been there, too. Families yeah. are hard. Yeah, but why do you, why do you think they your parents enable your brother or dote on him? I have no idea. You never, have you never asked them that? They would just be in denial. Like they're in denial of what happened in Paris. Like they just, everything they're in denial. I was doing it too. We switched from being in denial to hopeful that it's going to change. And then to just, resentment like it's just always feelings that are moving but not i mean hopeful is a good feeling but then then the disappointment comes and that's that's hard like i just don't this wouldn't have come to this literally if heidi just played it cool like don't go into a bathroom that I'm standing in and scowl at me. Don't show up at a photo shoot and not say a word to me. And then I say, you know, Hey, cute outfit. And she looks me up and down and walks away, you know, or like giving, like I said last week, the two girls next to me, Whitney and Andrina on both sides, giving them champagne and just blinking me. Like if she, if she could have just been nice, you know? I mean, for, again, for um, Christmas, Princess Heidi, I was unpacking at my parents' house. I don't know why I had luggage there. But anyways, my mom had gotten me this really cute Christmas sweater, and I think it was, like, from TJ Maxx. So it was, like, really soft and silly and cute, and it had the tags on it. My mom would just, like walked by and dropped it on my suitcase. I was sitting on the floor and she's like, got this for you. Heidi walks in and she goes, Oh my God, what a cute sweater. Oh my, who got this? Who's it for? And immediately, even though I wanted it, I said, it's for you. My mom went out and got it for you. So like what, so why did I even lie and say my mom went out and got it specifically for you? Because I wanted her to feel loved and a part of this family. Did I want that sweater? Of course I did. And the first thing I do, I hand it over to her. Like, it's just... I've done so much to try to keep it together. But she's just such a That I just... It's not worth it. 
and my parents are coming down on me like you guys you guys have made me bottle this up for so long <laughs> like it is just the only thing that really gets me really anxious is this like overwhelming feeling that nothing that I've torn apart my family that I have you know dropped this bomb and I'm never gonna be at another Christmas you know <laughs> Uh, That's what I keep thinking about is what I'm going to do for Christmas. You got my house. I know mine too. I feel like, but I, I also have in my gut that this could, could be repaired. I just don't know if I can forgive my parents and I just don't see them changing. None of them have changed. None of them. I think one of the things, and, and we don't have to deal, get into it today, but maybe next episode is starting to help you heal. Because I think that at this point, of course, I hope it all works out. Yeah. But I think that there are things that Steph can start to do to feel better, to find some peace. You know, well, I, that's why I, I came here because we all live, you know, I'm eight blocks away from my parents, five minutes away from Spencer. So that's why I came here because I've got like this month off. Mm hmm. For until I have to work again, and I was like, "There's no way I can be in the Palisades." Just like you know, am I going to run into them when I go to Cafe Vida or when I'm walking my dog? Like it's it was too scary. So yeah, like, I'm what about to go back to LA? Well, yeah, and what about? I mean, soon you're going to have to start doing all the press for the hills, and I assume you guys will do things together. Yeah, how is that interaction going to go down? I don't know. I've been worrying about the press tour too. I almost just don't even want to go. No, I feel like no. just kind of going back to London. No, 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 no. Yeah. Because you need to do all this for you. And there is a chance as you get stronger that you could heal and the relationship could heal in some ways, even if you just, I, I do believe there is a way to sort of have like a Teflon shield where you're able to have a relationship to a certain extent. Maybe not I what it was. If Heidi just was cool but maybe she will be yeah but also like not go and not this is a battle but if you don't go to these press tours or go to the rap party or whatever then that just shows that you've lost right right you can't let them you can't give them that you know but how but i feel like it'd be winning like i am free from it like but what if you just know you are yeah it's all in your own mind to know i am a good person i'm doing the best i can I'm okay no matter what happens around you. Just know that you are. No, I, I feel so much stronger and independent and lighter, but... That's going to take time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it'll take time. What did... Is it Evolution? Is that the production company? What did, uh -huh. what did they say to you... After all of this broke, were they upset? Were they sorry? What was their thought? Uh, didn't really get any texts. I assume that they would be like, dang it, I wish we had that on camera. Um, 
Well, they have seven on camera, and that was the straw that broke the camel's back. Yeah. Um, it's going to be quite a season of the hills. It's coming out June 24th. Do you think your parents will watch it? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I, I think they will. At least my mom will. Yeah. I wonder if that'll change their perception of things. No, there's a now there's a grandson involved. Well, nothing, nothing is going to change. They want to see that grandson. Listen, I get it. I just feel terrible. I feel like we need to like next episode work on things to add, strengthen you. Uh, work on things to kind of like quell your anxiety about all this. Um, and I also think that. True closure doesn't come until you present yourself as the bigger woman and figuring out uh, the next step. Listen, they can cut you out of their lives or whatever, but at some point, I think that someone is going to need to uh, extend an olive branch, and I think it would be it would be really great if that was you. It's going to take time, but I think that would be a really cool way, even no matter what happens. I agree. I think eventually you guys i i can't like right now, say any more yeah. of yeah. what led to me having not being able to go back to paris and not almost not going back to like i can't say those things we get, <laughs> I like, get there is a lot of damage in there, there there's so like there's no way that i'm, ha- I'm gonna have an olive branch like <laughs> I don't want to see those people ever again. Like, this has gone on for so long. Fight, make up, fight, make up. Truth is, is they hate me because I became friends with Lauren. And that is, will always be the reason that. That's how you you feel that. And it might be something to address. Your, you, your speculation. They've told me that. They have told me that. This is, and I feel, in my experience, that that's that's completely legit. Because they saw it as unloyal. But again, it's just like I'm going to be friends with who I think are good people. Well, this does bring up what they addressed on their show, which w- when when we will have Wells read it, but I they they acknowledge Whitney for some reason. Um, it seems like they're mad at Whitney. As they well. do appear to be mad at Whitney. I called Whitney the next day after that party and I was just like, are you okay? And she was like, I was just like really shaken up. I can't say more, but (laughs) Whitney didn't do anything. So I don't, that's crazy that they're talking about her. Okay. So I I guess I'm starting to kind of understand this and paint the picture in my head. There's a lot that you can't say because you guys filmed it and what really, really went down that has the straw that broke the camel's back is going to be on the show. Is that what you're saying? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. And I think there's also some damage that's so far in the past that is bubbling up for Steph. I I believe that. I can't believe I didn't. If I hadn't moved to London, I would have exploded a long time ago. She's bottled up stuff, whether it's. It's her perspective. Now, I can't say if it's 100% accurate because there's always eight sides to every story. Yeah. But for her, what I'm interpreting is that there is so much history and pain bubbling up that it's it's all coming out now. Yeah. 
All right. Well, next episode, I want to go through the transcript, whether you're on on the call or not. I want to go through the transcript of Make Spidey Famous Again. Because I, I want to... There's you know We started the show off with there are three truths to every story, and we've got one truth. I want to hear what their perception of this whole thing is. Just If nothing else, just to be fair, but I, I just want to try to understand where they're coming from. And you do feel that Heidi's hurting. I definitely feel that Heidi is hurting as well. Everyone in this family is broken. Yeah. And I thanks, Wells. <laughs> I, I, you guys are. I'm sorry. Like happy yeah. birthday. Yeah, happy very yeah. happy birthday. But you guys are, and it's it's like I'm sorry. Like this is a really you're crying on this show, and I it's this doing this podcast is heartbreaking to me, and for everyone in this room too. And and I wish there was something we could do to fix it. I don't I don't know if there is, but. There has to be. There has to be. There has to be. I got out of it. I walked out of it. I fixed it. And that may be the that may be the answer. Is that that may be the answer? We just don't know yet. Yeah. And time will tell as we go through this journey together. You're just beginning the healing process. Yeah. The wound is just like super open right now. Yeah. And it's you haven't even had time to let it start. To, to heal. And I think this show is going to be cathartic for you. Um, I hope it's cathartic for your fam, like your parents too. I hope they listen to it and, and at least hear you, what you're saying, regardless of, I know that me saying that kind of pissing you off. Cause you're like, I don't even care, but I come from a big family and it's a family is important to me. So I, I would at least hope that they are hearing some of this. They hate me. No, they don't. No, they don't. And I understand. They don't. I understand it. I've exposed everything. This is going to cause fights between my parents. It's going to cause fights with my brother, with my pa- I mean, I've, I've literally dropped a bomb and flew to Hawaii. But it was either going to Hawaii, like, to chill out by myself, or I was, like, going to go to a treatment center for, like, trauma, even though I went to one last year. Well, let's so try Hawaii like- and some therapy first. Let's try... Yeah. Why That's what therapy. I'm doing right now. I'm, I have calls with my therapist from here. I'm yeah. just doing it once a week. And some meditation and all those things. But I just had to get out of LA. Like, it's just so toxic for me. Well, well keep us on speed dial. And yeah. we're going to text yeah, you course. after this. And then we're going to talk again next episode. Also, please remember that no matter how you're feeling with your family life, that we love you so much. Yes. Aww. And everyone's here for you. And, and just... Pay attention to all that support you're getting, you know, from everyone, including your friends and everybody. Thanks, you guys. Well, Hills, yeah. Yeah. Can, can, Show's can, over. Can, next week, can we have like a comedian on or someone? <laughs> I can't wait to have Whitney on. She's yeah. coming on, by Is the she? way. Yes. Whitney right. will be on with us. Perfect. Which I'm, I'm not, not till um, the show starts in June. All right. But I adore her. So that's the Me thing. Me too. Yeah, she's amazing. So. Um, all right, go to a luau or something. I don't know. I eat some, um, what are those nuts they eat over there? Macadamia, Macadamia nuts. nuts. yeah. Oh, they're talking about coconuts. Some poi poi? What's that stuff called? <laughs> I don't know. Go find, go find a pig that's been buried in the sand that has been roasting for like 14 hours. Aloha, Stephanie. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think I'm going to jump in the pool. That sounds good. All right, Steph, we love you so much. We love okay? you. We'll text you later. Oh, I love you guys. Thank you. All right, Hills, yeah. <laughs> Show's over. There it is.
Follow PrattCast on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.